welcome to episode 58 of Mother and Anxiety. Today's episode is being a people pleaser discussion with Justine Carino. So a few episodes back, I did an episode on anxiety and being a people pleaser. And I had uh, quite a good response. I had quite a few of you who messaged me and you guys were like, "Mm, I think I might be a people pleaser or like I didn't realize that I was a people pleaser all of my life. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I didn't really know or think that it was really a thing, you know, until I started going on this healing journey and trying to figure things out about myself. And I was like, hmm, people pleaser. Yeah, that totally sounds like me. So I decided to invite uh, Justine Carino, who is a licensed mental health counselor. Um, She actually has her own podcast, Thoughts from a Couch, which I've talked about before on here. Um, you know, she just does great episodes and great insight. I love listening to them because it just gives me so much information and I learn so much from her. Um, and even like her Instagram, like some of the things she posts, I'm like, ah, damn it, that's me. (laughs) Um, and it's just, it's so relatable and it's like relatable in a sense where it's not, um, like very scientific, if that makes any sense, you know, like it's just like, okay, yeah, I get it, you know, without having some like technical, super technical terms where I have to like Google what everything means. Like it's just perfectly relatable. And um, I actually met Justine because uh, she messaged me and um, asked me to be a guest on her podcast. And so we did an episode with her, which I've also talked about that episode that I did um, on her podcast, Thoughts from a Couch. And so I was like, you know what? Can you come on to mine, please? Um, I need some professional help <laughs> when it comes to uh, people pleasing. And she was like, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, we had a very good and open discussion here on like what people pleasing is, um, how you become a people pleaser, how people pleasing can affect your life and like how it leads to like anxiety and how to stop. Um, you know, I've never been speechless during a guest recording, but she honestly had me kind of speechless. There was just so much information and like so much to digest. And I mean, I'm, I'm recording, it's live. I don't have that much time to process everything. So, um, you know, I made a joke about it being my very live therapy session. So, um, everyone who's listening, be prepared to listen to my very live therapy session. But like I said, you know, uh, lots of great information. Um, I definitely learned a lot and I'm probably going to have her, you know, have her coming on quite a few more times because I know that, you know, even I'm going to (laughs) need some professional help on certain things, um, you know, that that I'm going to, that I want to discuss. So um, yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to my discussion on people pleasing with Justine Carino. Alrighty, everyone, let's go ahead and welcome Justine Carino. So hello, Justine. Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming here. Um, I was actually really excited to record our episode because I did an episode on my own about people pleasing and I got a huge response on that. And I have many people who came over to me and was just like, I think I'm a people pleaser. And I was like, I mean, maybe, you know. So um, I'm super excited that you're going to go ahead and just cover this topic for us. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like it's very relatable, um, the people pleasing topic. I myself like to 
call myself a people pleaser in recovery. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the people I work with identify as being a people pleaser. So I'm not surprised you had a lot of outreach on your episode. So I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be great. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm a licensed um, psychotherapist. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, and I have a private practice in White Plains, New York. Um, So I specialize in treating anxiety disorders, but I also treat depression, um, family relationship issues, and I provide grief counseling as well. And the approach that I like to use when I work with my clients is a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy and Bowenian family therapy. Um, And you can, believe it or not, do family therapy without an actual family being in the room. I do a lot of family work with individuals that are trying to heal from dysfunctional families that they grew up with or dysfunctional relationship patterns. And we kind of learn that it came from this model of their family system that they didn't even know about. Um, so that's my practice. I also host the podcast thoughts from the couch, um, where I have conversations with other mental health counselors or guests that are in the wellness industry. And we talk about common themes that come up every week on my therapy couch. Um, and I'm also a wife and a mom of two little ones. Wow. Um, I mean, I know that you, you reached out to me to be a guest on your podcast. And I was honestly honored because I was like, oh my goodness, like a professional, like someone wants me to come on. Um, and, you know, we had a really great conversation about, you know, me dealing with anxiety and that's, you know, pretty much my entire podcast. Um, but yeah, so I am just excited to kind of get started. Um, people pleasing, people pleasers. So I did my episode. um, And as I was recording the episode, I kind of just realized that like, I wasn't living my life for myself. I realized that I was just putting everyone's needs in front of my own. Um, I put myself in the back burner. I was constantly burnt out. I was constantly anxious. I was constantly stressed because I felt that like I was never realistically getting anything of my own stuff done because I was just doing everything for everyone else. Um, And I actually wrote my own little like definition of people pleasing, which was putting others needs before your own because you're seeking validation. And so I kind of, you know, just talk a little bit about how you know, I wanted to do good by others um, because I needed that like pat on the back, you know, just to make sure that like I was doing okay, you know, I needed the validation from others to make me feel better about myself. So, um, you know, I caught myself like changing who I was, like even changing the way I talked or the way I dressed to please, you know, specific group of people or specific group of friends. And I am currently just trying to figure out like, what is actually me and what is the people pleasing, you know, characteristics I made up to be able to be seen as a good person to other people. So that was kind of what I talked about on my episode, but I would love to hear your input on this whole people pleasing thing. So what is a people pleaser? Sure. I think you described it really well. (laughs) Um, And I can just add a little bit to it. 
you know, for anyone listening, it's not a diagnosis, right? It's not a mental health diagnosis where you walk in the office and um, a psychologist or psychiatrist is like, hey, your diagnosis is people pleaser, right? It's more of a trait that we find in a lot of people that have anxiety and we'll get into how they correlate later. Um, but yeah, a people pleaser is someone that has this emotional need to please other people. Um, the benefit is they're really good helpers, right? People pleasers enjoy helping other people. Um, and that's awesome. And it can be addicting because being a people pleaser has yielded so many successful friendships and relationships. The person's usually well-liked. That's a benefit in this world. Um, but at the same time, it could be exhausting and lead to feelings of stress and burnout and then mental health issues too, because you're just taking on everyone else's needs instead of your own, like you said. Um, and it can also lead to physical issues because of the high levels of stress. You're immunocompromised at times. You're more vulnerable to physical illnesses because you're not taking care of yourself. You're taking care of everybody else first. Um, some cultures really take pride in that, right? And some cultures, I'm thinking of um, women in certain cultures, the mom, you know, like takes a lot of pride in being able to take care of everyone. But sometimes we have to slow down and be like, no, like the family can't function if you're not here with us today. So you need to slow down and take care of yourself. And that's another way to help the family too. So I want to be sensitive to people's cultures that are like, wait, this is the way we're supposed to be. Um, and that's not always the healthiest way to be. So it leads to anxiety because the people pleaser is saying yes way too often. Um, there's this fear of what could happen, what bad could happen if you said no. Um, and being unable to say no leads to stress and anxiety because you're taking on way too much emotionally and physically. Everyone else's needs and wants start to become priority over your own. You get lost in the other person or the other people and you start to forget about yourself. Um, and there's a big part of this, which is the shoulds. You know, we say stop shoulding all over yourself. You know, shoulds lead to guilt and anxiety. You know, we have these rules in our head. I should always do blank. And we also have the should nots. I should not do this. Um, and in psychology, we call that cognitive distortions. So cognitive distortions are these really irrational ways of thinking that we don't even know are irrational because we're so used to doing it all the time. Um, but there are these unwritten rules that we make up in our own heads um, for some reason, like I should make everyone happy. I should not make anyone upset or mad. Everyone should like me. So some way in time, you started to you saying people pleaser, the people pleaser started to make up these subconscious rules for the way they should be. Um, and they're unrealistic. Like you can't always make everybody happy. Not everyone is going to like you. So they're completely unrealistic rules that we try to fulfill. And then when we can't fulfill them, that's the anxiety. Like, oh my God, I'm supposed to fill this role and I can't do it. Now I'm highly anxious because I can't carry it out, but you can't carry it out because it's unrealistic to begin with. I mean, as you're explaining this, it's a total like mind blown right now because that, I mean, I, I didn't know any of this and that's totally me. Like I totally have those. I should make everyone happy. I should be able to, you know, keep everyone afloat 
you know, I shouldn't be bad. I shouldn't, you know, set boundaries even like I have, it was like, I mean, I'm a little shocked. Like I didn't know that, you know, this was a thing. I thought it was kind of more of like a, well, this is a, my own thing. Like I'm the one thinking this or just like a people pleaser in general, but that's, um, that's very, very interesting. This whole like irrational thinking and like, we don't know where this comes from. <laughs> so yeah. um, that's, uh, yeah. that's a lot to take in. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's so many of those too. There's like 10 basic cognitive distortions, the shoulds and should nots are one example. There's also like never or every, um, which are like exaggerations of the truth. Like I can just talk about me and my husband's relationship. I'll be like, you never do blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's not never just the one time he didn't do it. I wanted to say it was never to prove a point. Right. But like, even that's irrational. So we have these nevers or ever, or always like those rules we make that are irrational, but we're so used to doing it that we believe them to be true. And it creates a lot of problems. Um, catastrophizing is another cognitive distortion. Like we always think of the worst possible outcome or something bad happens and we think it's a catastrophe when it really doesn't need to be. So yeah, this is something that's part of cognitive behavioral therapy that I teach to my clients that are dealing with anxiety. Like what are your irrational ways of thinking that are contributing to the anxiety and how can we break that down? That's good. I definitely, I've done the whole never- um, ones with my husband for sure. I think that's a, that's a common one. Um, so let's see, how do you become a people pleaser? Okay. It's complicated. And <laughs> this is like the other part of my job that I love. So I touched a little bit on the cognition on the thinking. Now we're going to go a little into the behavioral, like the family dynamics. So I'm going to be a little long winded, but so a big reason why we become people pleasers are from family dynamics a and B, this fear of abandonment, and they can go together. So first and foremost, people pleasing is related to a really deep subconscious fear of abandonment. So you're not walking around every day like someone's going to abandon me. I have to act this way so they don't. It's this deep subconscious part of our mind. And it's this belief that we have, like we cannot tolerate being abandoned. So we're going to act in ways so we won't be abandoned. So we start to believe if we say no or put others first, we will be abandoned by them. And that's frightening. Um, and we fear this even with people we just met. So it doesn't have to be an abandonment from a long-term relationship, from like a grandparent or a friend you've known since fifth grade. This could be an abandonment from someone you just met today. You're afraid they don't, they won't like you and they'll reject you and they'll abandon you. And it could feel the same no matter what, because our mind is kind of crazy. Um, so we fear an abandonment from everyone and everything. Um, and this fear of abandonment could have come from our life experiences, things that happened to us in our lives that led to an abandonment or resembled an abandonment or threatened an abandonment. Um, so huge part of people pleasing and fear of abandonment can come from our family. So our families work as a giant system. We all function together, but have very separate roles. Um, and these roles emerged over time without anyone really 
even knowing about these roles. They kind of just fell into place based on how the system functions. Um, and for some people, people pleasing was a survival skill in their family. They needed to please everyone to keep the homeostasis in their family um, at bay or to keep some kind of status quo. And so, for example, people pleasers can often identify as the good girl or the quiet one or the golden child, the peacemaker, the mediator, maybe they were the overachiever. Um, a lot of women I work with can identify with some of these roles. Um, and this role emerged on purpose in a subconscious way. It wasn't like the person woke up like, I need to be the good girl in the family. It just unfolded subconsciously. Um, and I can relate it. Let's imagine someone has a parent with a mental illness or drug or alcohol problem, or the parent, one parent or both parents are extremely strict and often use corporal punishment. Um, you had to say yes to this parent, otherwise the worst would happen. And maybe you saw your sibling get the worst and you're like, oh, I don't want that to be me. So you became the yes man, the one that was easy because you saw your siblings get the abuse emotionally or physically. Um, and maybe the family was dysfunctional in some way. So you're like, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to add to the chaos. So you started to suck up your own needs because there really wasn't room to have your needs met. Maybe you had the, the alcoholic parent had their own needs to be met. Maybe one parent was just working so hard because of a financial situation and you couldn't really complain about anything because mom or dad or both were working 24 seven to make ends meet. There wasn't space for you. Maybe you had a sibling with a mental illness or drug abuse problem and they took up a lot of space. There wasn't room for you and your needs. So you just learned to kind of suck it up. Um, you went along with it. So I often see a lot of people pleasers have a sibling that was some kind of rebel or are we allowed to curse on here? Yes, yes, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> like they were, a sibling was the rebel or the fuck up. And like, you saw how the family reacted to that. And you're like, that cannot be me. I'm going to be the good kid. I'm going to make everyone happy when there's chaos going on in the family system. Everyone look at me instead of each other. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, so the subconscious fear of abandonment. Um, I mean, I talk about my family dynamic a little bit in my podcast. Everyone kind of knows um, things and bits and pieces, but I've been doing a lot of, you know, reading and researching on this. And that is probably where my people pleasing skills comes from the most. Um, mm. you know, and, and I was, I'm reading this book called, I think it's called the emotionally absent mother. Ooh, possibly. Right. Is it good. Oh, it's amazing. But it's like, <laughs> it's amazing, but it's overwhelming at the same time because there are things that I read and I'm just like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like, okay. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm learning this whole like abandonment, you know, there's like the secure attachment style and, and the abandonment, you know, and so I'm pretty sure that that's where my people pleasing comes from, because <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call myself, you know, like the golden child in my family. I was kind of more of like mm -hmm. a black sheep sort of a deal. Mm. Um, 
but you know like it all makes sense everything that you were saying like it all just like puts everything together and it all makes sense for me and I know that a lot of people you know that listen to this relate to the things that I talk about so I know that this is going to be extremely relatable to all of them and they'll be able to get some good insight on this so awesome. thank you for you know <laughs> you know this is all just like I'm learning a lot of more things and it's a little bit of a shocker hearing you say some of these things but it's great you know we all need to learn you know where all this comes from where all this stems from in order to be able to heal and and kind of just like move forward you know so yeah and you know what you're referring to also with like I think you said the title is emotion what was the title of the book the emotionally absent mother yeah which has me thinking too like the abandonment can be direct or indirect so maybe it was direct that like a parent left like your mom or dad left or both parents left you didn't have parents you maybe never met them you were raised by somebody else but we still can internalize that direct abandonment um so that's one cause to like feeling this abandonment this fear but then there's also a really indirect emotional abandonment and what might be resonating is like the silent treatment where like a parent withdrew emotionally if you made a mistake or did something wrong like they went silent and sometimes the silence is so much more painful than you rather just get yelled at like I remember <laughs> my, my I'm gonna reference my mom on here <laughs> I did something really bad senior year of high school and like I knew I was going to get in trouble and she like took my car keys and I had to ride the bus to school, which really sucked as a senior in high school. But what hurt more than like these number of punishments I got is like, she was so upset by me. She didn't talk to me literally for like two weeks. And that like disturbed me. Um, so like we can really relate when with someone withdraws their love from us. And that wasn't typical of my mom. Like this is probably the one time she ever like could not speak to me because <laughs> what I did was really bad. I get it. I deserved it. <laughs> but if you have a parent that's habitual, like maybe someone was raised by a parent that silent treatment or silence from them was the norm. You didn't even realize how horrible that was to be raised by someone that didn't interact that was there physically but not emotionally that's emotionally abusive to to be ignored like perpetually so that's a form of abandonment too I mean the silent treatment was definitely the way that like my grandmother would punish my mother you know I remember at one point there was I think they went like maybe even a year to two years without talking you know and even though like I never tried to do anything bad because I was like, I don't want my mom to not talk to me. I think subconsciously she just like wouldn't talk to me about certain things or whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, that makes a ton of sense too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm also thinking too, like causes to people pleasing. There's a lot of like religious beliefs um, that are passed down or morals like you, in order to be a good person, quote unquote, you have to be self-sacrificing. You have to make sure everyone's happy and taken care of. Um, you know, I was raised in the Catholic religion. I still identify as Catholic, but there's a lot of messaging that like I could pick apart and I don't want to make this at all that way. But I think there's from childhood 
like messages that get passed down generation to generation of like what a good person is. And I think an old school mentality is like you sacrifice your own needs for other people. So I think that could also be a cause for people too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up like in the Catholic church as well. So yeah, that's definitely something my grandma would kind of, you know, tell us like, yeah, you know, you have to be a good person and you know, whatever, whatever. But uh, (laughs) uh, anyways, (laughs) so how can being a people pleaser affect um, your adult life? Yeah. Well, I think that as an adult where this stops working for people, right? So this worked in childhood and teen years and maybe even like young adult life, like the people pleasing worked out really well but then you become an adult and that's where you first start to notice these traits are so tiresome and you're so over it. And that's usually where you see a lot of people make the change in adulthood because the people pleasing adult is now so overcommitted and exhausted all the time. Um, In relationships, they have a deep need or desire to be loved and accepted again, because then they think that will protect them from being abandoned. And so the people pleaser might act in ways to reassure, reassure that the love and acceptance will always be there. So over apologizing, having to apologize a thousand times, we really only need to apologize once. Um, maybe clinginess in relationships, whether it's friendships or romantic relationships. Um, hard times separating in a fight with friends or romantic relationships. Like someone needs the space, but you can't separate because you're so afraid that space means abandonment. Um, And you can't respect that boundary. That's something that a lot of people pleasers struggle with is that space. You don't need to say sorry all the time. You don't need to buy gifts to make up for something you've done wrong. Like a mistake for a people pleaser is horrendous. They can ruminate on it for days. Um, about something they've done in the past that they wish they didn't do. Regret, guilt shows up a lot and takes place in someone's life. Um, The adult people pleaser also has a really hard time setting boundaries, um, really hard time saying no, typically tend to be conflict avoidant. Like, so any type of conflict can create a lot of anxiety and like the heart starts to pound Um, they're talking to themselves in the shower about how to approach the conflict, what they should have said that they didn't get to say, um, really passively communicating. Um, So that's key. Like that's like a red flag. If you're someone listening to this, you're like, oh, that's me. That's me. Yeah, you're probably people pleasing because the people pleaser is usually very passive, can get walked all over. Or passive aggressive will make like that snarky comment, which isn't dealing with the conflict as directly as it should, right? And a lot of couples tend to have these fights. Um, Or the people pleaser stuffs, stuffs, stuffs everything they're thinking and feeling. They're having these silent conversations in the shower of what they should have said. They never say it. They become resentful. And then a little problem happens and they have an outburst and then this outburst is like a volcano and they look crazy like they look like what are you talking about like I just asked you to take out the trash and now you're screaming at me and you're like well you've told me to take out the trash every day for the past 10 years and like so they go off but like no one knows what you've been thinking or feeling you've been holding on to this 
now you've pushed the person away, which was the goal in the beginning. You don't want to push the person away, but you had this outburst where you completely lose control. Your emotions are at a hundred. You're cursing, you're yelling, you're, you look crazy. And then once you settle and you get it all off your chest, you have that guilt sink into you now. You're like, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done it. So then that's this whole spiral, this whole cycle that's then been set up. Okay, now I have to over-apologize because I look like a crazy person because I just had this eruption. And then you go back to the beginning. So that's exhausting for a lot of people emotionally. So, I mean, everything you just said is like me or at one point <laughs> in or at one point in my life was me. I was, I used to be very like, hold everything in and then I would have those like explosions one day and it usually was on people that didn't necessarily deserve to be exploded on um mm-hmm. but yeah but then it would be the over apologizing and the like super and then yeah I would get like super clingy because I'm like oh no I did something bad and now they're gonna hate me forever you know or leave me and then so now I have to make sure that they're okay and, and make sure that I get them this and and do this and be nice and buy them this and blah, 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 blah. So that was, that was totally me before. Um, but you also mentioned like being passive and then being passive aggressive, right? So, I mean, I can totally be a little bit of both. I'm not even going to lie, you know, like um, I used to be super, super passive. Like I would let everyone walk over me. I would let people talk down to me. I would let people, um, you know, essentially just like do whatever they wanted, you know, and I would never see anything wrong with that. And then my husband would be like, you know what, it's not okay for them to talk to you that way. Or like, it's not okay for them to, you know, ask this much of you or whatever. And I would just be like, what, you know, and I would always make excuses kind of like, no, that's just how they are. Or like, oh no. And I, I'm always the type of person who likes to give people the benefit of the doubt. So it would be like, oh no, they just probably had a bad day. And I was the only person they, you know, that they had to lash out on. So it's okay. Tomorrow will be like, okay. But then I can also be the passive aggressive one, you know, when I can totally be like a bitch. I'm not even going to lie, you know, (laughs) for certain things. Um, So it's great. You know, you talking about all of this is helping me learn more about myself, but also the shower talk. Okay. (laughs) have full-blown like arguments or conversations in the shower (laughs) like just like thinking of like okay this is what I'm gonna say to this person and it's like a script that I have in my mind like this is how it's gonna go and you know it never goes that way and it's never as bad as I think it's going to be um but I am very conflict avoidant like I don't like people like even just be mad at me or could potentially be mad at me over things that I might say or whatever. So it is exhausting. It totally is extremely exhausting. Yes. But you know, where I'm learning these things and I'm trying to change certain behaviors and, you know, let's go ahead and start talking about that. So how do we stop? How do we stop being a people pleaser? Yeah. So really it's uncomfortable, right? And in order to change, you have to be at that breaking point. Um, And it's going to be a lifelong process. If you're really ingrained with these people pleasing traits, 
you're going to really come out of your comfort zone. It's going to take a lot of practice because it's been taken. Um, I'm 34. So it's 34 years that you've got here. You're going to, I'm going to need 34 years to unravel this, but you can do it. And people will feel really good about themselves when they start to make some changes. So it is possible. I, with any kind of change as a psychotherapist, it's, I always advise that it be very small and consistent, right? So don't try to go big and change everything. You're saying no to everyone. You're a new person. You're going to do it yourself first. No, like that, you're going to fail because that's impossible. That is not you, right? So we need to go slowly. So pick one area of your life, right? Maybe you want to start people pleasing less in your career at your job. Maybe it's in your romantic relationship. Maybe you pick your friendships. Maybe it's your family, right? Pick one of those areas because you don't want to be overwhelmed. Whatever's the most troublesome to you now, where you really feel like you need more backbone and you need to be a little bit more standing up for yourself, pick that. And in that category, pick one thing. So let's use an example. Let's say you're in a family that every Sunday it's expected you go to Sunday dinner, but you, for some reason, resent this Sunday. Let's say you work Monday or you have to get the kids to school on Monday or Sunday evenings, you're so exhausted. You're, you're resentful of the Sunday dinner. Saturday comes like, ah, tomorrow night I have to go to the family dinner and everyone's fighting there all the time. It's not relaxing. I need a minute. Maybe you start with one conversation. You know what, family? We're not going to make it to Sunday dinner this week, actually. And start with that right? Set the boundary and deal with the pushback. And that's an accomplishment, right? And then maybe you say, you know what, this really isn't working for me. I'm only going to attend two Sundays a month to the Sunday dinner or one Sunday a month, whatever it is. I'm just using this as an example that you can slowly test the waters. And while you're doing this, people are going to react because they're so used to you doing things a certain way. They may not like the changes they're starting to see. And you go slow because you need practice tolerating their pushback. Because if you did this in every area of your life, you'd be getting pushback everywhere and you'll just give up and cave and go back to the people pleasing. Um, maybe your boss every week, you know he's going to ask you to stay late and you know you're sick of staying late. So maybe one out of the five days you say, I cannot stay late today, right? Just practice saying no once, see how that feels, learn that you're not going to get fired, learn that you're going to have a job the next day, learn that people will respond better than you actually think they will, or maybe they'll respond terribly, but you can tolerate it, right? Like they might get really angry, but it's not about them. It's about you. And I want you, the people pleaser listening to realize you can say no and still be safe and still be loved and still be worthy and have your needs met because they're just as important. So small, consistent, and once you feel good and habitual in that area of your life, increase it to the next area and then increase it to the next area and that's lifelong. And it's no, there's no rule book, so you have to play around with this. Um, another great tool with that is the practicing the boundary setting over and over again, right? Know what your boundaries are. Know when you start to get this gut feeling like, oh, this feels icky or this is telling me something's not right. I'm used to ignoring this icky feeling, but this time I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to speak up about it. Um, one thing I can kind of relate to is I had a newborn during this pandemic 
um, and the past pandemic winter in New York was really, really bad. And I have this newborn that I have to think of. And like, I want everyone to meet my newborn. But then it was like, who's wearing masks when they meet her? Who's not wearing masks when they meet her? So the rule is you're meeting her, you're wearing a mask, right? It wasn't about me anymore. It was about this newborn's needs that I, she couldn't speak up for herself. I was there to protect her. For me and other people pleasers, that was hard, right? If you had a newborn during this pandemic, because you had to navigate your needs and their needs and what was safest for them. And with that, I'm sure people were offended, um, but I can't couldn't worry about their feelings or how would they would meet her or when they would meet her and could they hold her, could they not? It was so overwhelming. So I had to get really in tune with what I valued, right? And I valued safety and health for this little girl. Um, so that's one example of boundary setting. It's not easy to do, but you have to, once you start doing it over and over again, it gets easier and easier and you just can broken record with it. Um, with that, I spoke about values. I valued physical safety and health. So get in touch with what you value. Values change over time, but our values guide our decisions, right? So instead of letting fear guide your decision, let what you value guide your decision. Um, if you value friendship, right? That's one value you'd be playing with as a people pleaser, but maybe you also value self-care. Um, so maybe you're asked to do something for a friend, but you're completely exhausted and worn out and you know you have to show up in other areas of your life, prioritize that self-care because a good friend will still be there. So you might have to decline the invite or say no to something. Let that value guide your decision. And there's great handouts online of you know core values people have. And that's a lot of work I do with my clients in therapy of what they value. Your values are gonna change over time, change on the season of life you're in and what you're doing. So let those values help you make decisions. And last but not least is assertiveness skills. Um, a lot of people pleasers, like we were saying before, are passive or passive aggressive or end up being aggressive. So that's the assertiveness, learning how to say no without feeling guilty, learning how to say no without needing 1000 explanations for why you said no. Um, if there's something that happened that you didn't like, speak up about it. All this is going to be trial and error. And the point is the more you practice these skills, the more you will learn that people aren't abandoning you so easily. It's not like you're going to say no once and that person leaves. And guess what? If they do, great, you're better off without them. The real people that you need are going to respect your boundaries. When people say no to me, I'm not abandoning them. Like, go. Oh, they said no. I don't think twice. But as people pleasers, we're, we go in our head and we're like, if we say no to this, the world's going to come crashing down. It's not that serious. People aren't leaving us left and right. It actually takes a lot for someone to leave our life but it's irrational, right? So that's where the anxiety speaks to us. So practicing the assertiveness skills, and there's lots of books and trainings and in therapy, that's something you can develop too. So I would say those are the basic starting points for changing these behaviors. I mean, these are all really great tips. And I feel, um, you know, uh, these are things that I feel that I've slowly been starting to do just kind of on my own with like certain things that just didn't feel right in my life anymore. Right. And so I'm like, okay, I mm -hmm. need to just, you know, set the boundaries and, and, and start small with the saying no, but like the guilt that comes with it. Okay. Like how do we get rid of feeling guilty? Like that's the thing that mm -hmm. I struggle with because I feel that I'm getting better at the saying no 
and the setting the boundaries and realizing that like, I'm not responsible for your feelings. I'm not responsible for your reaction, you know, like any of that. Um, but it's the guilt. It's the guilt that gets to me where I'm just like, oh, I'm just a horrible person or that's how I feel. Or like, oh, this person's now going to hate me or something. Like, I don't know how to get rid of that guilt yeah. that comes with like setting the boundary or with like saying no or putting myself first. So that's yeah, what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> it's so hard. And sometimes I find that that guilt is associated with an early childhood relationship. Maybe someone made you feel guilt for saying no in some way, right? Like if we were to go rewind the tape and find a moment or a series of moments, we could pinpoint, oh, that, you know, that person, that's where guilt started for that person. And maybe that was irrational guilt. Maybe not. We all need guilt. It's an emotion we need to help us make decisions. But with people pleasers, the guilt you're talking about is often associated to like, I did something wrong. Like, I feel guilty. I'm doing something wrong, which is that irrational thought. Like saying no is not wrong. You're allowed to say no. So it's kind of reframing like, is this something you need to feel guilty about? Or can you look at this a different way? Because you're usually, you're sending yourself a message. You said no, and now you've done something wrong. And most of the time you did not do anything wrong. And it's kind of coaching yourself. Like you didn't do anything wrong here. This is okay. You're allowed to say no. You're allowed to put your needs first and kind of using those affirmations to coach through, but it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned, I, I wrote a comment on one of your Instagram posts about, I think it was the affirmations one. And I'm like, I'm not that great at affirmations, <laughs> yeah. um, but I know, I mean, I know that they, you know, they're there for a reason. They work, you know, for, for mm -hmm. a reason. that is something that I should probably work on. <laughs> Me too. They're hard. Yeah. Um, so any advice for just anyone in general dealing with anxiety? Sure. Um, anxiety sucks because it's such a biological response, you know, like we can all relate to the feeling of anxiety, but anxiety disorder, that's next level. Um, so if anyone's listening, they don't have an anxiety disorder. Think of the, a time you've been so anxious. Now put that on full blast every day. Like that is like a hyper aroused state where your nervous system is just in the fight or flight all the time. And you're sick to your stomach. And there's so many somatic symptoms to anxiety, headaches, stomach aches, insomnia. There's it's, everything. It's overwhelming to have anxiety. It's so uncomfortable. You just want to escape and get rid of it. Um, you can learn ways to manage it. Okay. But to be more direct, I have two big tips for people suffering with anxiety. One, you have to create a mental health routine that kind of gives you a foundation to go off of. It gives you a baseline. And this is ingrained in your daily habits. It's unique to everyone. Maybe you need to get up and run a mile every day. Maybe every night you meditate. Maybe you need a, a hot shower at a certain time. Maybe you know you need to socialize once a week. It's personal. There's no right or wrong answer, but it's yours. And that grounds you. Like these are the things that you need to do every day to feel at a baseline, to feel grounded. It's the foundation of your house. So when a trigger does pop up, because we can't avoid anxiety triggers, they're all around us, or unexpected stressor gets thrown at us, 
the house doesn't crumble, right? We have a sturdy house built. So you've been practicing your daily coping skills for anxiety. And then a trigger comes, you're uncomfortable, but you're not going to go into crisis mode. You're not going to go into full-blown panic attacks. Panic attacks are still going to happen, right? If some, if you're someone that suffers with that, with their anxiety, but a strong foundation makes you less vulnerable to all of that. So that's my first tip. And that's something you can create on your own. You can create with a therapist. You can read about, um, and if anyone's listening, I have a downloadable kind of template for creating a mental health routine on my website. If anyone's interested in looking at some of the suggestions I have there. And then number two, it starts with your mind. Our mind is our most powerful tool. So how you think about things creates how you feel about them and how you feel about things is going to influence how you act or react to things. So changing your thought patterns is huge, right? We don't have to believe everything we think. We don't have to attach to every thought we have. Our mind creates such bullshit for us that we listen to all the time when we really don't have to. And especially with an anxiety disorder, there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of static, there's a lot of ruminating obsessive thoughts that if we attach to them, they become bigger. So we have to learn how to kind of step back and separate from those thoughts because then we'll feel less anxious and react to that anxiety a little bit better. So those are my two biggest tips for someone struggling with an anxiety disorder. These are great tips. Um, I am working on, you know, building my strong foundation and like the, the daily, you know, habits and everything like that. I know for me is what works. Like just knowing, you know, I have to get in like my cardio in the morning, you know, and that's going to get my blood flowing, everything pumping. It gets me in a better mood for the day. You know, when I miss that, I just feel that like my days is like, winding down you know that it's just not going to be a good day so I am a huge like believer (laughs) in just having Mm -hmm. that strong foundation and just keeping you know knowing what's going to work for you and that's you know kind of what works for me Um, and that helps me making sure that I don't have like you know the everyday anxieties you know I still have the bad days and I still have the you know the anxiety attacks and triggers still get to me but Um, you know, like the little everyday of just like always kind of feeling on edge, like is something that I've been able to sort of manage. (laughs) Um, just have, yeah, just having this like strong foundation. Um, I need to figure out how to like, um, kind of get back to it when like my schedule gets thrown off, you know, because when my schedule gets thrown off, then I'm another anxious wreck. But, um, you know, that, that's, what's been working for me. So that's really great great and also the mind shift (laughs) and just you know allowing yourself and just letting you know know that you know sometimes like your brain just likes to fuck with you and your mind likes to fuck with you sometimes you know and just Mm -hmm. knowing that you know you're going to be okay at the end of the day um has been another huge thing that just kind of helped me because I know that my mind goes haywire on certain things and especially with everything going on in the world right now you know I become an anxious wreck and I start to overthink everything and I start thinking about the future and like what it holds for me what it holds for my daughter you know but I just have to remind myself like it's you know it's okay you know one thing at a time one you know one day at a time you know you're not there yet or you know stuff's not there yet so you'll be okay but um And those are your affirmations. (laughs) You don't even realize it, but those are great. You already have them. Yeah. Um, I actually, 
when I was working with the therapist, she told me to write down 10 things that I liked about myself. Right. And we were sitting there and I couldn't think of like one, (laughs) but, um, you know, she told me, she was like, go home and write these things down and then look at yourself in the mirror and and say these to yourself like out loud. And I never did it. And I probably should, Mm. but, um, it's hard. Yeah. You know, but you're right. You know, they're, they're, they're told for us to do them because it's supposed to be helpful. Like they're there for a reason. So yeah. Maybe this and is- you have some in your language already. Yeah, without even knowing. So thank you for even knowing it. <laughs> I turn everything into a therapy session. I really have to stop. I'm like, I can't help myself. I'm like, there you go. Right there's your affirmation. Oh, great. Yeah. All my listeners, this is my um, public therapy <laughs> session. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, where can we find you? Go ahead and plug yourself in Instagram, your website, your emailing list, like everything. Where can we find you? Sure. So my website is carinocounseling.com. So I provide therapy in person and virtually for New York residents because that's where I'm licensed. Um, So if you're not in New York, you can go on there. I also have a blog. I have a page linked to my podcast. So my podcast is Thoughts from the Couch, which is on iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. And I have episodes premiere every other Monday. I absolutely love it. On Instagram, I'm thoughts from the couch. So that's at underscore thoughts from the couch underscore. And I'm also really excited. I just started working on an online psychoeducational course that I'm putting together to help people learn like simple skills for managing their anxiety. Um, So it's not therapy, but there's tools that are going to be provided in here that are going to help people learn more about this mental health routine we were talking about um, and basic coping skills for anxiety management. So if you want to be someone that's notified when the course is up and running, um, I will send Maria my link to sign up for my email list and you can go ahead and sign up for the email list and you'll be emailed when the course is up. Yeah. So I'll and go ahead. I think that's it. <laughs> I'll definitely be tagging you and everything. Um, I'll put the emailing list up on my page for everyone who is listening and is interested in that. Um, that course sounds amazing and maybe something that I might need. <laughs> um, awesome. It's always good to like learn new, you know, new things, or I guess be reassured that what you're doing is, is working. So, um, yeah, great. Um, yeah. And then I'll go ahead and I'll be tagging you, um, you know, on my stores and everything so that all of you guys can go ahead and get connected with her because you're great. You do. Thank you. Everything that you post on like your Instagram, I'm always like laughing in the back of my head. I'm like, oh man, this is me. Or like, <laughs> oh man, like, you know, and this is like, what is wrong with me? Like, why? It gets <laughs> you thinking. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's very insightful and it, and it does, it gets me thinking, but it gets me thinking in a good way, you know, like, okay, so here's this and this is what I'm going to now do about it. Or this is how I'm you know going to fix it. So thank you. For I love that. Me all the information that you do um it is very helpful you know for someone you're so welcome <laughs> and i'm sure so many other people that are listening so thank you you're very welcome um well i think this might be the end for us um i truly appreciate everything everything that you have said on here you have me thinking and i have like a million notes that i have written down because I'm just like, oh man, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Work in progress. 
but you know, like you said, you know, it took you 34 years, it's gonna take you another 34 years. It's taken me 30 years to get this far and it's gonna take me another 30 years, but it's great. You know, one day at a time, small progress is still good progress. You know, it's important to make sure that we don't beat ourselves over, you know, thinking that we're not making any progress. Cause even in the bad days, that's still positive progress to make sure that you're healing. So thank you. Yes. Thank you again so much for all of this. Um, I'm going to sit on my couch and just kind of think about everything that you talked about, <laughs> you know, get a little bit into my head, but um, it's going to be good. So I know that if I was able to resonate with a lot of this information, a lot of my listeners are going to be able to too. I'm so glad that I'm honored. You're amazing. You're an anxiety advocate, warrior, mental health advocate, all the above. I know a lot of people um, look up to you and I love the platform you've created. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, so yeah, so thank you. And I will go ahead and tag you in all of my things. So Justine Carino, thank you again so much for coming on here. You're welcome. So much information, right? But like so much great information. I honestly couldn't thank her enough for, you know, coming on and having this discussion with me. Um, you know, and I said this on my own episode, like, I've realized that all of my life I was living for, for other people and not for myself. And, um, you know, me doing these little practices on like how to stop people pleasing um, is something that I continuously am working on now. And, um you know, uh, she definitely gave some good extra helpful tips that I had, you know, never really thought about. So, you know, I hope anyone out there that's listening who, you know, really resonated with my people pleasing episode, you guys got some great information and were able to take some tips from her on this one. So again, a very huge thank you to Justine for coming on here and having this wonderful conversation with us on people pleasing. But in very different news, um, I got stickers, you guys. <laughs> um, I went ahead and I ordered some stickers with my slogan on there. I had a very good friend who made the design for me. Uh, it's the same design that was on the t-shirts. And I was like, you know what? Who doesn't love fucking stickers? Like, <laughs> So I made stickers and I've been putting it up on my stories. If you guys wanted one, to send me your address and I'll go ahead and mail one to you. Um, so I'm going to throw that to everyone on here who maybe has not been on Instagram. Um, if any of you guys are listening out there and you guys want a sticker, uh, send me a message on Instagram or email me at motheringanxietypodcast at gmail.com and send me your address and I'll go ahead and I'll mail you a sticker out. Stickers are just totally fun, right? Um, but I also made a sample um, journal that I ordered for myself because I want to take a look at it and make sure that it is perfect before I go ahead and um, have them up for sale for all of you guys. So um, stay tuned for that. I have, you know, just kind of a lot of different ideas as to where I, I want to make this go, I guess. Um, but also a huge thank you to everyone who reached out to me to congratulate me on being number 20 podcast in Los Angeles for the Los Angeles Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a mouthful of words, right? <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you to all of you guys. I was named number 20 out of 25 top podcast in Los Angeles. So super honored, super amazing. Um, your girl made it onto a magazine. It's fantastic seeing myself on there. 
which reminds me I need to take updated photos. <laughs> but you know what? Um, it's it's great. It's been great. This journey, this entire journey has just been honestly incredible and I could not have done it and I could not be here without all of you guys and all of your support and all of your love that you guys continuously send me. But with that being said, I do hope that you have a good rest of your day or night, depending on when you're listening to this. And don't forget to live your life, love your life, and love your anxiety.